federal acquisition system might be complicated and slow, but it's not immune to change. In fact, Congress and its own practitioners are constantly tinkering with it. The coming year will bring a number of crucial changes, and joining me in studio with some of the most important ones, Eric Crucius, partner at Holland and Knight. Eric, good to have you in. Good to be here. Thank you. All right, let's start with the most recent thing. There are finally regulations out, or proposed regulations, for the uh, low-price, technically acceptable contracting activity that vendors all hate. What's going on? Right. So um, the drain has been the, – the water has been circling the drain on LPTA over the last couple of years. In 2016, there, the DOD uh, source selection guidance um, limited the use of LPTA. And then subsequently in 2017 and 2018, the NDAA um, also limited the use of LPTA. But new regulations had not been written even though they were due some time ago. Earlier this week, the regulations implementing 2017 and 2018, the proposed regulations, like you said, did did come out. Now people can comment on those regulations, and do they seem to have fidelity so far as you've been able to read them to what the intent of the law was? Yes. Actually, um, they're almost word for word in some instances to the law itself. So I, they didn't vary very much from the uh, various provisions of the NDA. So that's very good for contractors. So you wonder what took them so long to come out with regulations that end up mimicking the language that caused the regulations in the first place. Yes. My guess is that they probably had um, designs on doing some kind of further regulations that would have been varied a little bit from the NDAA, but they decided just for expediency's sake to go back and and write regulations that were very similar to the uh, law. Now comments will come, and it won't become a final rule probably for several months, but uh, Judging from the status of it now, what do you think will be the big effect on, say, vendors and on the government? So the, there really will be times that LPTA is being used now that it won't be able to use anymore, be able to be used anymore. Because, I mean, one thing that that the regulations are going to require is for the government to consider the full life cycle of a product or service when deciding whether LPTA is appropriate. So I always use the example of a vacuum cleaner. Um, I used to buy really cheap vacuum cleaners that broke after six to nine months. They were technically acceptable. They picked up the dirt, but they weren't great vacuum cleaners. Um, I bought a really expensive vacuum cleaner about 10 years ago, which I still have, and I've spent a lot less money over those 10 years on vacuum cleaners than I did previously. So looking at the full life cycle of how long something lasts is very important now and will be written into regulations. All right, so let's move on. Uh, And by the way, we are, I guess, mirroring a presentation you made earlier at the National Contract Management Association Symposium in Crystal City. And there's changes coming for hub zones. And I guess maybe the U in hub zone, the underutilized, will actually be part of the hub zone program? (laughs) That's correct. Um, Hub zones are are kind of the stepchild of uh, uh, set-asides. Uh, unfortunately, they're not utilized as much because it's very difficult to keep that hub zone status. And one of the big changes that's coming, I think that's important for hub zone companies, is that if you hire an employee who's within the hub zone and they move out of the hub zone, the employee, um, they'll still be considered to be living in the hub zone. So your hub zone status won't be contingent on where your employees live at any given moment. But the knock on hub zones all these years has been that some of them aren't actually in historically underutilized business zones, which are fast disappearing in a lot of cities. And they are simply storefronts maybe in a bad area for some company that's basically operating elsewhere. Is anything going to be done to try to fix that perception or that reality? So regulate the way the regulations are written, I think they're going to actually try to tramp down on things like that. Um, so it's not just making things easier for contractors in the new regulations. There are certain things that where um, the government will have the ability to, to look at those uh, – look at that status more frequently than they do now. 
areas designated as hub zones need to be straightened up in some sense because I, I think I read once that Foggy Bottom is a hub zone. Right. So maybe that's a successful hub zone <laughs> because it's doing so well now. Um, but that it's it's funny how you have areas that just economically change very quickly and all of a sudden a, an underutilized area where they were trying to get business is, is now one of the richer areas of an area that, that you see. Well, I guess utilized and underutilized both start with a U, so maybe that's the confusion. <laughs> we're speaking with Eric Crucius. He's a partner at Holland & Knight. Moving on to another change coming, of course, is the widely heralded schedules combination. They're going to fold all the schedules into one schedule. Is that a bigger deal for the GSA or for companies selling through the schedules? I could see it split pretty evenly. I mean, this is going to change how GSA does business across uh, all their verticals. But also for companies that have schedules, it'll change their terms and conditions. It'll change how they approach getting on schedule. It'll change the industry that's associated with helping companies getting on schedule. So it's a pretty dramatic change. Now, GSA is taking two years to implement this this pretty big change. So um, we'll see how it goes um, as it, as they take baby steps towards that goal. But at some point, there's going to be the danger of people selling outside of their lane, even within a combined schedule. That is to say, you can't buy crayons from IBM, nor could you buy computers from Crayola. I mean, I'm making an absurd example, but that's the danger, right? Right. Um, And that's probably why the schedules were split up originally, is to make sure that companies stayed in their own lane. But But a lot of these schedules overlap now, so it's difficult for the government to find what they want to find because they have to look through different schedules sometimes and find it in unexpected places. So this will this will fix that problem. But to your point, there, there probably has to be a way to separate those things out on this combined schedule. And moving on, we're also only days or maybe weeks away from the final report from the Section 809 panel. They've already put out two of their tomes and the third and final one to complete their work. And Section 809, that was the 2016, I believe, uh, I think so, yes. National Defense Authorization Act. What will that bring and what then what once the reports are out? The speculation is that the latest, the last report for Section 809 panel will deal a lot with protests and um, whether they're good for the system or not. Um, the Section 809 panel has expressed unofficially that they that protests are negative for the system and they're looking to cur- curtail them with this new report. Now, what happens with all these recommendations remains to be seen. Congress is requiring a close look at their recommendations once they're all issued. And in fact, some of the recommendations from the first two reports are, have already been implemented in the NDAA this year. It's like, for instance, the definition of commercial, eliminating the definition of COTS. Those are a couple of things that the Section 09 panel recommended that, that Congress has already taken up. Some of those were cobwebs that had existed for a long time that were kind of the immediate hits that people – that everyone could agree on. Right. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, low-hanging fruit, I guess. And related to the issue of protests is enhanced debriefings, which can sometimes head off protests or simply educate. There's a change there too? Yes. So there's um, a class deviation and regulations coming on enhanced debriefings. The Air Force ran a pilot which was very successful that allowed contractors to look at source selection information while they're outside counsel, to look at source selection information in advance of a potential protest. And I always argue that more sunshine on the process is good for the system, and it will head off protests. So this new um, this deviation in proposed regulations that are coming will do, first of all, the deviation allows for uh, debriefings to extend with additional questions from a contractor. Um, what wasn't included in the class deviation but is coming in the regulations is the ability of contractors and everyone to see 
more of the source selection information, not proprietary information, but the reasons why the source selection authority came to its decision. A big complaint among contractors, I think, for years, and you can verify this based on your own client experience, is that the debriefings have often been cursory or just going through the motions because contractors can't stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, what about this or that? Right. And oftentimes when when contractors get a debriefing like that, they think that there's something nefarious going on. Not necessarily nefarious where somebody's doing something intentionally bad, but the but the uh, agency doesn't believe in its procurement or its decision. So it's trying to do things to kind of um, cover that up or cloud it up a little bit or murky it. So 2019 calendar and fiscal, I guess, will bring a lot of change, a lot of small changes. But when you add them all up, the procurement scene will look very different, won't it? Yes. I, I actually argued yesterday uh, yesterday that it was a very exciting time um, to be in government procurement because there's a lot of changes coming. And even if they're, like you said, changes at the margins, they'll have a substantial impact on how we all do business. Eric Crucius is a partner at Holland & Knight. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.